0: Amen. Fresh from Florida, this should be a great message tonight. Uh, Sandy and I celebrated 25 years of marriage, and I've been telling people as we were traveling, uh, people would ask, you know, what we're celebrating, what we're doing, and we would say, you know, 25 years of marriage, and they'd say, oh my goodness, that's incredible. It doesn't happen as much anymore today, but in this church, it's awesome to meet so many couples that are married for that long and longer. We have great examples. Appreciate the examples we have in this body for good marriages, but we're on the we're on this trip, and and I kept telling people it's uh it, it's been hard for her, easy for me. It's been a really easy 25 years for me, but Sandy's had some work. <laughs> She's had to deal with this guy. Um, super thankful for the blessings of the Lord, and when you come back from vacation, it's always good to come home. I, I'm so glad I'm home, and uh, it was nice to have 75 degree weather while you guys were in an ice storm. That was awesome. Uh, I wouldn't call any other place but the family of God my home. And so we just genuinely missed. It was hard. We had such a good time. But we kept thinking, man, so-and-so would love this, and so-and-so would love that. And you do this trip, the two of you, and it sounds great till you get out there and you go, man, I, I wish there was 80 people with me <laughs> enjoying all this cool stuff. Uh, but the Lord is good. I'm really thankful. I just wanted to say um, what a blessing marriage is and uh, really appreciate my wife and I want to talk to you tonight about the Good Shepherd. And, and you've heard, I know we've heard messages on the Good Shepherd many times. I uh, I had this in my heart a few weeks ago. We had to cancel a Sunday evening service when I was going to preach this. Um, but I am really thankful. We were singing that song that, that he cares. This is the Good Shepherd. Uh, one of the things that we tend to err in as hum- as humanity is we make things too much one way or the other. We swing a pendulum on the love of God to such a a place that maybe it's not, and then we tend to get so legalistic and and so hard we swing that pendulum to another place that it's not. But the good shepherd is always good and he cares. He has such a love for the sheep and the flock, he's willing to lay his life down for this thing. The love that he has is, is unlike any other love that we can experience and so as Christians, as people, to look for love in all the wrong places, as they would say, would be to look outside of Christ for love, for acceptance, for anything that would, would, would be a redeemable, loving quality. Outside of Christ, it is just not fulfilling. It's just not what it needs to be. So, Ezekiel 34. <laughs> I want to take a look at something in Ezekiel 34 that struck me as I was thinking of the Good Shepherd, and I came across these verses. The Lord considers ministry in the church, priests, um, and today pastors, teachers, to be under shepherds. There is one Good Shepherd, amen? There is not more than one. There's just one, and it's the Lord. We're going to get to that in a minute. But there are other functions in this body of Christ, in the flock that He assembles, And the Lord's going to point some things out in Ezekiel 34. Go with me to verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourselves with the wool, You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken. You have not brought back what was driven away. You have not sought out the lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they, the sheep, were scattered because there were and there was no shepherd. They became food for the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Verse 6, my sheep. The Lord's sheep wandered through the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And God, I ask you, Lord, to move in me and and help me to deliver this message, this thought tonight, that it's your thought, it's your proclamation, that you are the good shepherd. I ask you, Lord, for us to open our hearts and our minds, our ears tonight let us receive from you a word, encouragement and understanding. God, help us to grow in not just our knowledge, but in the grace and the knowledge of who you are. Lord, be with us tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. The shepherds of Israel are not, they're not just the priests. This word, I, I was doing a study on, on who all will be considered overseers and, 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 and those who would have position of authority. In, in Israel, and the kings are part of this, the magistrates are part of this, the Sanhedrin is part of this, they're all considered a form of a shepherd over the flock of Israel, including the, the, Le- the Levitical priests, the great high priest, and all those that would speak in synagogues and teachings and rabbis and all that stuff. They're all considered shepherds. God is angry with them. Bob, Babylon is going to come and is going to enslave Israel in a very short period of time. Ezekiel is prophesying the fall of Israel and the the Babylonian takeover. Ezekiel is going to be prophesying at the same time, around the same time frame as Jeremiah. Jeremiah is going to be prophesying into Babylon. Daniel, we all know Daniel, who's going to be taken into Babylon. He's going to be a prophet. Still, Ezekiel is going to live through some of these contemporaries. He is seeing a revelation of the fall of Israel. If you read through this book, a lot of different prophecies. But this one struck me. Because God is going to show something about shepherding in this. He's talking about his sheep and these men he's entrusted to oversee. These men that are in positions of shepherding a flock. And, and, and look at the downfall. You can see these areas of where both the priests and the political church and state have failed the people. And as I'm looking through here, I'm seeing an, almost an exact copy of religious circles today, you can see these same things. The first thing that stands out to me is the negligence and the unfaithfulness of these prophets, of these shepherds, of these people in position and authority. What they did first, they were selfish, sinful stewards. They were taken to themselves from the people. They were taken unto themselves first. But the the true shepherd, he feeds the flock first. The flock gets fed. Do you remember uh, when Jesus is going to talk to Peter? And after the resurrection, and and Peter, what what an amazing story of love that the Lord has for him. He has denied the Lord with cursing. He does not know the man. He has walked away from the Lord, denying the faith altogether. And the Lord's going to step out and call Peter back. That sounds like the shepherd looking for one who is lost lord doesn't give up on us it's amazing but but he gets peter to the shore peter comes to the shore you remember the story and the lord's going to tell him something he says peter do you love me and they go back and forth yes lord i love you and do you love me peter feed my lambs, feed my sheep see this same principle is not gone we have the good shepherd we're going to see this in a minute we've got the one good the, the the head of the church christ the head and husbands, you're going to fall in line under Christ the head when it comes to your home. And, but you're a shepherd of your home. You are one who's got a small flock that you attend to, that I attend to. But, but I've got the one above me. I never lose sight of that. And it, There are churches today that have removed the Lord, that have removed the good shepherd and, and, and placed a man, or placed an ideology, or placed a religion in the place of Christ. Jesus is going to call Peter to him and say, If you love me, then feed my sheep. And Ezekiel is going to say that that God has something against these shepherds who do not feed the flock. It's negligent. It is unfaithfulness. It is sinfulness to be a selfish steward. Anyone who would take gain off the backs of the Lord's flock is one of these kinds of shepherds. The prosperity gospel that has gone forth for many years is built on such negligence. It is built on such selfishness that the Lord would call out such shepherds in the Old Testament as a reason, as part of the reason why all of this nation would be enslaved. Because He's got to kill it. He has got to remove this type of shepherd. How many ministries in Western culture are blatantly guilty of this. And how many Christians, including men and women like us, maybe we've been here, are guilty of this in our own home, seeking gain before we ever seek the need of the flock under us. I hate to admit to you, but there have been times, as a dad, that I put my needs first. But I told my family, "Well, I'm going to work every day for you. But I'm going work to work every day for me. Because there's things I want. There's things I want to do. There's things I want to have. And I've got to take care of these little kids now and this wife now. And in order for me to maintain a lifestyle that I want, I'm going to have to be gone more. And I'm going to have to do some different things that are going to make us more money. And you're going to have to go without some stuff so I can have some stuff. The Lord had convicted me many years ago and has done so many different times. Because this isn't just a one-time thing with the Lord. Our hearts and minds get off track because we are human. We're selfish by nature. It's easy to walk in this. The shepherds have led the sheep into sin instead of holiness. They have forced the sheep to wander every high hill. Do you remember in the Old Testament when you read about the high hills? What what went on there? What goes on on the high places in the Old Covenant? All those pagan nations in the Old Testament built their idols and built things in the high places. That is where the gods of this world reigned. That is where the pagan gods were at, in the high places. And if you're reading about Israel and these times and what has been happening, they had compromised over and over with the high places. They were putting godly uh, uh, Jew- Jewish things right next to the pagan things, worshiping them together, constantly compromising. And so when the shepherds fail the flock, they cause the flock to wander in the high places. How many people have we met that have come into this body at times and said, I I was hurt in church. A pastor failed me. A ministry failed me. People in the church failed me. Now I'm going to say, you still have a responsibility, Christian person, between you and the Lord. The failure of these shepherds still enslaved the nation. Nobody went unscathed from the Babylonian Babylonian capture. We're responsible for our own faith. We're responsible for our response to the Lord and how we serve the Lord. But there is a special judgment for the shepherds, those in the ministry and those over our homes. Man, I hate to say it, but we're the first first ones to be judged by the Lord of what goes on in our home. We're the first line of defense. We're the first ones that God's going to ask, why did you do that? What is this? We're also the first ones that God's going to convict. If we're open to the Lord, God is going to move through His headship. This doesn't mean that our wives don't have hear from the Lord and and, and lead in in our homes as well. I'm not saying that. But when the Lord comes calling, Pastor, He's going to talk to the head of the house. This went in under your watch. This happened as you were watching. You were supposed to put the flock before yourself. You're supposed to put these things ahead of you. Amen? It's easy for a shepherd to force those under him to wander. They have not strengthened the weak. They have not bound the broken. They have not sought the lost. They have been cruel in their rule over them. Man, it always bothers me when I hear of a family, I hear of brokenness in a home, And and it it comes down to how a a father has treated his family or how a mother has treated her family. And and you'll see pain in these situations for years. Adults struggling from how they were raised. There is something about a shepherd of the Lord who is going to strengthen the weak. And as we do so in our homes, so should it be in the flock. There is weakness in the... There are people that just have more needs. There are situations people go through There are sicknesses and diseases and financial issues and emotional things that happen that, hey, they just need more. But what do they need more of? Not just more necessarily coddling or more of me. They need the good shepherd. It's the job of the under shepherds to lead the flock to the good shepherd. In the old covenant, they're leading to something that's to come. They're trying to encourage and preserve and protect the Word of God. And the seed is being preserved. The seed is going to come, and we know eventually it's going to come in Christ, but but it's, He's here. And the whole point, the purpose, the shadow, the picture that we see in this, for us is that we bring those to Christ. We're all part of the same flock. We're all sheep in the same fold. There isn't one sheep above another, but there are those That are shepherding under the good shepherd, bringing the sheep to the same place, the Lord. These bad shepherds, they don't bind the broken. They don't seek the lost. They're cruel. You see all this in modern Christendom. The megachurch cannot bind the broken. They cannot heal. They cannot seek just the lost this word goes out that's false. I hate to say it, but say a prayer and you're saved. is not discipleship. They're incapable in the design, the western design of what we do. It's a business. It's a show. It's designed to house the multitudes, but never disciple. It, it doesn't bring the word of God to the, to the level of the flock and lead the sheep into the good shepherd. It, doesn't, it can't bind the broken. You know what those programs do? you got all those meetings. And I'm just going to meddle for a second because it bothers me. But you'll have the pornography group. And they meet every week and they discuss their failures. And you've got the drug and alcoholic group. And you meet every week and you discuss your failures. And I'm not saying that there's not a time for counseling. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is in certain circles, in the mega thing, there are perpetuating circumstances that just keep the status quo going. There's no leading to the good shepherd. There's no binding of the broken. There's no healing of the sick. It's perpetual. You're just in this state. We have a program for this and a program for that. There is not programs in the kingdom of God. It's Jesus. It's Him alone. The early church was 3,000 people, and and, and they had a lot of ministries to do. There was a lot of shepherding needed to be done, and, and the widows and the orphans had actual physical needs. They needed to be ministered to. And so the apostles get together and, and they appoint seven who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they're hearing from God. Why do they need to be full, pastor, of anointing and holiness and power of the Lord? Why? Because they're not just going to take bread. They're not just going to see to the physical need. They've got to shepherd these people into Christ. So it wasn't enough to have a program. Well, well the orphans come in and they, they, get, a, they get taught a few things. They get some bread. They go home. This is about the good shepherds. It's about bringing the sheep in. A place of safety, of provision, of healing, of binding up brokenness. And this is what the flock is all about. It's no wonder the Lord's what he's building is his church. It's no wonder that his provision for today is still his church. The bad shepherds the ones who are compromised, selfish, they kill those who are fed. They eat the fat, they take the wool, then they kill the fatling and do not feed the flock. It's not enough that they fail in their own faith. They take the young ones that are on fire for the Lord or excited about God, passionate about the Lord, and you'll see this in ministries, and I hate it. I, we saw it sometimes with young people at the school. We uh, Rodney, we had FCA, and there, sometimes there'd be some kids from other churches that'd come in, and, and we taught, man, they love the Lord, man, that kid, he loves the Lord, only to be grossly failed by a ministry that's pushing them into every other facet. Bethel Church has a few thousand students every year that come from all over the world. Some of them are passionate about the Lord, coming there to find Christ only to have that passion robbed into some kind of a pseudo-spiritual movement, robbing them of the good shepherd and instead replacing them with false. It's not enough that they are led astray themselves. They, in turn, kill and eat the fat of the lambs. Off the backs of them, they take the wool, make their own garments, and never use that wool to help anybody else. They take their money, to the tune of thousands of dollars to go to a school that just teaches you how to speak in tugs, prophesy, astro-project yourself, and do whatever kind of fire tunnel craziness is available. We live there, that's true. And I don't want to just pick on them, Because there's many movements and many people who do fail in this. And I don't want to ever become that. So I need to understand the good shepherd. I need to understand what he has for me. And I need to practice that in my home. I need to practice that on my job. I need to practice that in this church body because I cannot afford to find myself in the same position as these shepherds were. Because of their failings, the entire nation is going to perish. I don't think it's wrong, Pastor, to say that because of the failings of some of these types of ministries, entire churches are going to perish. I wish that weren't true. But I see the pattern. I see the pattern. Jeremiah 23. Remember, he's a contemporary. Jeremiah is around the same time frame, a little earlier than Ezekiel, but he's going to live also during the time of Ezekiel, before Babylon comes in and through it. Jeremiah 23, verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Therefore, says the Lord God of Israel, against these shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock. You've driven them away and not attended to them. So behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. I don't want that prophesied over me. We can see the same qualities in so much of the Jewish leadership during Jesus' time. Jesus comes. And one of the things he does that just sets this afire is he's going to go in the temple, he's going to flip those money changers over. We all know that story. These shepherds are stealing from the people. It's the same thing again. They're supposed to be helping, but instead they're burdening the people with cost. They're They're already taxed by Rome. They're overtaxed. And now they're taxed in the temple. Their money changers are robbing them blind. They're keeping the children, they're keeping the lame, the needy, those that that truly need help outside the temple, Pastor, they're not allowed in. Jesus will flip those tables over, and in come the children, and in come the needy, and in come the blind. They weren't allowed in there, right? But when the good shepherd comes, he'll bind the brokenhearted. He'll heal the sick. He'll mend all the brokenness. He will provide those who are broke. woman gives those two mites into the offering. It was all that she had. She gave of all that she had. And some would say, how dare the Lord receive such an offering? She's broke. This is the last of her money. And the Lord celebrates that because true provision is going to come from the good shepherd. She's not going to starve. She's going to be part of that early. Maybe she's one of those widows in the early church that Stephen is going to minister to and provide for. There's provision coming when the good shepherd shows up, and when the sheep entered the good shepherd's fold. They were holding religious standards through Mishnah, adding to the law, burdening the people with additional laws that were traditions of men. Impossible to keep, but they're levying burdens upon them. Do we not have this today? We've got movements today that create their own laws, their own interpretation of Scripture you're not saved if you don't take some of the burdens of men. You're not considered walking under the good shepherd's salvation unless you repeat the right words and wear the right stuff and attend the right church. I hope you don't think tonight that when I talk about how much I love this church that I think we're the only one. That's foolish. That's what Elijah said. Elijah told the Lord, I'm the only one who's not bound to bail. And, and God says, I've got 7,000 more out there. Now, compared to over a million Jews, 7,000 is not a huge number, but it's a lot more than Elijah thought. So we're not the only ones, but understand something. We are becoming fewer and fewer. And if you're not paying attention to this, you're not looking out there, you're going to miss the blessing of a flock that just wants the good shepherd. We may not have everything perfect. I don't pretend to say all of us have this figured out perfectly. But we all commonly seek the good shepherd. As long as we keep that in mind, he'll be found. As long as we keep that as our goal, he's going to remain our good shepherd. They did not help the poor. They did not help the needy. They were fruitless spiritually, barren like the fig tree. That is the shepherd who is the hireling. These same qualities show up in men and denominations. We have to guard against it. Denominationalism today is simply a way to segregate believers of the Lord. It's just separation. Denominations separate us and what we believe and, you know, you're almost right, you're mostly wrong, you're kind of right, you've got some things right, you got some things wrong. That's how we judge in denominations. I think God is sick and tired of that. I see it in these under shepherds. There were slivers and there were different beliefs and different rabbis and different sections all throughout Judaism, the same kind of thing you see today. And God used Babylon to preserve the seed of Christ. God used Babylon. Here's the promise. Ezekiel thirty four eleven. Go to thirty four eleven. For thus says the Lord. Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Yahweh, this is God. I will do this. He's got this against the under shepherds. Aren't you glad he doesn't just leave it into the hands of men who are failing? The Lord says he already knew this was going to happen. He planned to come all along. He plans to be the king of kings. Yes, they established kingship, but he's going to come and be king. Yes, there are shepherds, but he says, I'm going to come. I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. In Luke 19.10, the Son of Man, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Same God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. I'm going to do it. And Jesus stands up and says, I am doing it. I am the one. Ezekiel 34, go to verse 16. I will seek and save that which was lost and, back, and bring back what was driven away. I will bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. In Luke 4, verse 17 through 21. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when Jesus had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. He said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This same shepherd that Ezekiel is going to prophesy about, The same shepherd, he says, God said, I'm going to seek. I'm going to find my sheep. I'm going to do it myself. This one's going to bind the broken. All those things that the under shepherds couldn't do. All those things that the men failed in. And time and again fail. The Lord says, I'm doing it myself. It's the plan all along. He's going to deliver this to the apostles. And he's going to tell Peter. After going through all the things Peter's gone through, and many more that he will. Failures to come. You know Peter failed a little more? He had a really hard time, Pastor, going to Cornelius' house. There was some prejudice there. He had some things God had to work through. There wasn't this perfect man now walking out his faith. It's God still growing and moving. But the difference is the Lord is doing the work now. He's leading, he's guiding, he's teaching, he's constantly, he's the rabbi now. He himself is the good shepherd. He's leading this thing. He cares. He loves us. We love him because he cares. In Ezekiel thirty-four twenty-three, I will establish one shepherd over them. He shall feed them. My servant, David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant, David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, spoken. The pastor reminded us this morning that Jesus came from Nazareth of the line of David. In the book of Matthew alone, it's going to refer to Jesus as the son of David ten times. Who is the one to come? It's Christ is coming. He is the shepherd. He will feed them. He will take care of them. The seed of David. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called Yahweh Sedek, the Lord our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the righteous one. Yahweh, Sedak, the Lord, our righteousness. We know who He is. He's declared Himself as fulfilling that which Yahweh God promised. Let's go to John 10. We're going to get close to finishing up here. I'm not going to read John 10. Um, This is the Good Shepherd verses. Jesus is going to talk about being the Good Shepherd and all the parts and pieces that go into that. If you want to go home and reread it, it's a great read. I think most of you here have heard most of this. Let me give you some highlights that I felt just shows how good he is and our part to play in the flock. Number one, the sheep hear his voice and know who he is. He says that he knows every sheep by name. I was reading John 10 and I thought, this is amazing to me. Because as part of the body of Christ, we are not individually necessarily set above one another. But he knows every individual by name. He knows every one of us by name. He selected us, picked us, brought us in, saved us. We all have been lost. When one goes astray from this flock, he says that the shepherd goes for the one, he leaves the 99. He knows them by name. He doesn't just wander about shouting for someone to answer. He's calling for the lost one by their name. He's calling for us. Have you ever wandered? Because I thought there was a couple times in my life I've wandered a bit. I've walked away a little bit. The Lord had to come calling me by name. I wouldn't be here if the Lord hadn't called me by my name. He knew what I needed to hear. He knew who to send. He knew what to say. Faithful people praying for me. Faithful members of the 99 flock praying for me. And the Lord is seeking and thank God I answered it because for a while I didn't. I heard Him. I didn't answer. Be encouraged. The Lord, when He's seeking, He wants to find more than you do, more than I do. We want our family members to be saved. We, we want our friends and coworkers who don't know Him to be saved. The Lord seeks it more than we do. He's the good shepherd. He's calling. Our children, as they go astray, as they wander in their faith or even outright reject the Lord, the Lord will call them by name. Our prayer is that they'll listen. Our prayer is that they'll hear it. And where are they coming back to? The flock. Coming back here. Coming back to the flock, the fold of the Lord. Maybe they live far away and there's a church there, but they're coming back to the fold. They're coming into the flock. And the Lord doesn't do this thing generically. That's the hireling. That's the one that gets paid to watch over sheep, but they don't care about the sheep. That's not what the Lord does. It's not generic. It's not just, well, you know, they, hear, they heard the gospel once. The Lord calls by our name and gives opportunity for the sheep to answer. The good shepherd still has care, mercy, mercy, and a desire to find the lost. His sheep follow him alone. His sheep follow only this one because they know his voice. The sheep learn to trust him. They, they, they learn to follow his word. He speaks his word through preaching, through scripture. Yes, we hear, but the preaching, it's by the preaching of the word. The foolishness of preaching. So God chose. There is something about the flock getting together and, and, and one of our shepherds speaking the word this morning and speaking the word during the week and, and that preaching and us coming together and listening and hearing. Man, don't you have those moments where you know that's you, Lord? How hey, you been sitting this morning, you're listening to the message as pastors talking about that oil and, and the spirit of the Lord. And I, I sat there and I thought, oh, that's you, Lord. That's you. That's your voice. That's you. I never saw that before. That's you. I didn't think, as much as we respect and love our pastors, I didn't think, you know, Pastor Rodney, you're so great. Pastor Rod, you're, you're up here. I thought, thank you for hearing something of the Lord and then telling it to me. Thank you for preaching to the flock. Thank you for feeding the sheep of God. And what are you feeding us? Him. More of Christ. The good shepherd is being brought forth. We're eating in His pasture. That is what is needed, and that's what builds and develops the body, the sheep. They'll only follow that word. I I, I hate to say it, but I'm almost ruined when I go sometimes to other ministries. I try not to be judgmental. I try. When we go and hear a a word, and Jesus isn't spoken, I, I sit there, and I think we've wasted our meal tonight. We came in to, to, the, to the meadow, to the pasture, to graze, and there was nothing to eat. I was let down. Well, where's the good shepherd in this place? Why haven't we preached Christ? And I have to hold back that, that judgment. I have to say, I don't want to judge the people, but Lord, where are you? Why aren't you being preached here? There's nothing to eat. He is the gate. There's no confusing how to enter because it's him. There's just one door. There's just one gate. It's narrow because it's one name. There is no other way in except Jesus. We can't rename Him. We can't call it something different. We don't come through the door and enter somewhere else. He's the door. He's the pasture. He's the shepherd. And the flock knows this. The sheep know this. It's the gate for life and life more abundantly. Only one. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This word is suke as you're reading through John 10. He lays down his life. Now we know he laid down his physical life. Amen. He died. He died and he he bled out for our sin, took our iniquity to the cross. But he lays down his suke, his affections, emotions, desires. Why? Because the sheep come first. The shepherd, the good shepherd, has provided first for the sheep. He doesn't force them in his gate, though. It's a little different. There's no shepherd's crook forcing them in. Now, once you're following the Lord, I do believe there's times that he nudges us. Amen? Those, those whom he loves, he does what to? Chastens them. There's, there is some time. But initially, man, you're going to have to walk into this thing out of your own free will. He's going to call He's going to offer. He's already laid down his life. He has stepped first. He laid down his desires, affections. Everything is done so the sheep can come into the pasture. The hireling, the one who is in a paid position without any care other than the salary, he doesn't do that. He doesn't care. He doesn't lay down his ambition. He doesn't lay down his life. He oversees the sheep as long as everything's going good. A hireling, and it's in John ten, is the hired hand. He has no ownership of the sheep, no skin in the game. He's not even one of them. He's not part of them. Pastor, you mentioned years ago there was a was it Tommy Barnett said that if you don't smell like the sheep, you're not really a pastor. Because you got to be one of them, or you're not one of them. You're a hireling. You're not part of the flock. The shepherds of the Lord are part of the flock. They're They're one and the same. They're they're part of it. But the hireling, he has no ownership, no skin in the game. He, He knows what's coming, though. He can see the wolf coming. He's accountable. He knows there's danger. And he leaves. He runs. He abandons the flock in their greatest time of need. He can still see the danger. Do not be fooled. The preachers of this day who are out for gain, who are out to just have power, influence, whatever that looks like. They're there to entertain. They're there to build their name. They can see the danger coming. They have to read through this scripture and purposefully avoid much of what it says. They are staying in the Word of God and purposefully excluding things. They know. They can see danger on the horizon. They know the affairs happening in their churches. They know the alcohol, the depression, the drugs. They know these things. There's all these experts. You can turn on and watch the documentary on Hillsong even right now and see a whole host of the messes going on underneath them. But they don't call it out. They hide from it. Because they are hirelings, they're not part of the flock, and they're not led by the good shepherd. It's actually easy to call out the hireling. The wolf comes in, and the sheep are leaderless, and they scatter. Now, the nature of sheep, we're almost done. A couple more minutes. There's a nature of sheep. I had a young man tell me many years ago, he said, you are a blind sheep. You just follow ministry blindly. I said, young man, in the last day, Jesus is going to separate sheep from goats, You're either a sheep or you're a goat. And I asked him, which one are you? He said, I'm a goat. You understand what I just told? I don't care what you told me. I will never be a blind sheep. I said, well, brother, the Lord heals blindness. So none of his sheep are blind. The goat, I don't know. They're separated out. I can't tell you what the goat does or doesn't do. They're not part of us. So there's some nature of sheep. You know, Jesus said you have to be like, you mentioned it this morning, Pastor, like children when you enter in. You also have to be like sheep. This is interesting. Sheep flock closely together when threatened. They don't really have a lot of natural defenses on their own. I was thinking about the Lord. He said, vengeance is mine. There are times in the Old Testament He called Israel to battle. In the New Testament, they carried swords to defend themselves from bandits and robbers, not to go warring. There's a time to defend your home. I'm not saying, men, you don't protect your family. But there's a nature of sheep that we cannot miss. If we miss it, we're not part of the flock. And when a threat comes, they get closer together. When there's a threat to our families, our nature is to hide that. When there's a problem in our home, our nature is to keep that hidden from everybody else. When everything's not going right, we just want to bury that and hopefully it'll go away. But the nature of sheep is when there's trouble to get closer. Pastor Rodney, we've talked about this before. You can always tell when somebody's struggling because they separate from the body. They tend to separate off. They get judgments against one another in such a way that it puts wedges and wedges. And the whole time, all they're doing is drawing further away from the good shepherd. By putting themselves away from the flock, they're distancing from the good shepherd. By rejecting the under-shepherds who are trying to get the good shepherd in and, and, and feed the flock what's right and good and holy and righteous, the Word of God, they put distance. They do the opposite of what sheep should do. Get closer. If you're going through something in your life, you got concerns and issues and trouble. Fight that nature that says, I got a distance, and make yourself get closer. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is, the nature of sheep, is to get closer. The second thing is, they have really good eyesight. Sheep can see really well. They have a wide field of vision. Why is that? So they too can see the danger coming. They can see the wolf. The sheep have a wide range of vision. Church, don't close your eyes off to what's happening in this world. That's not to be fearful. That's not so that we are scared of everything that's going on. It's to identify those areas the wolf is coming in. It's as a group of sheep, though, not one. There's a lot of crazy conspiracy theorists out there, and some of them are being proved right, which is a little weird. There's a lot of individuals who get crazy thinking, but you know what happens in the body of Christ? Some of the thoughts and ideas we may see or have have a way of getting clearer when the multitude sees it together, when the flock sees it, when all together. Those serving the who can hear His voice, who know His word, when we all are looking at situations, we can see the different parts and pieces a little, clearly, a little more clearly. They have a good vision, and they look. What did did Peter say? Be sober, be vigilant. There is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You need to know who that is, what it looks like. He's seeking whom he may devour. And the body of Christ, the sheep of the Lord, when there's trouble they get closer and together they are looking and identifying. I know sometimes you, you don't want to hear when we do preach about a doctrine or a church, or something that's going on, but there's some things that many of us are seeing, and it's our job to point it out to the flock. There are times we have to say, "Listen, there's a doctrine that you that you've known. There's an American culture that you have followed. There is a nationalistic thing that can take you away from Christ. We got to point that out, and I need to hear it from you. I need to see what you're seeing. You got to see what I'm seeing. And the nature of sheep is together." Closely to have very clear vision to identify. Accurate hearing is the third thing, and it helps them spot threats and it helps them know the shepherd's voice. You know, sheep have very accurate hearing they hear, they see, and they're close together. Church, we got to be friends who are closer than a brother because the Lord's our friend, closer than a brother. That's him, the good shepherd. We're to be like Him. The closeness that we need to have is that way. Does that mean we spend every waking minute with one another? No. We all have lives and things we're doing, but the heart, the desire, we've got three or four days a week or times a week. We are here together. We are identifying threats. We are hearing the voice of the Lord. We're getting close in in the issues we deal with, in the blessings that we deal with. We're rejoicing with one another. We're mourning with one another. That's part of the body of Christ. That's what makes us sheep. And if we're not those things, what are we? If we're not sheep, what are we? If we don't come to the kingdom as children, come to the kingdom needing the good shepherd and needing what he's provided, what are we? We're not his. We're in a different pasture. We can't miss that. The good shepherd seeks and saves and he's looking. He's looking for the lost. Don't isolate yourself. Gather together. Don't be afraid to call out on the Lord. Call on Him. I'm saying that, young people, I don't know all of your prayer lives. But I pray out loud. I just, I get in moments, I need the Lord to hear me. I know He knows my heart, He knows my thoughts, but I'm just going to tell you for me, I have to call out sometimes. There's moments I've had to pray, God, I need you, I I need you to hear me, I need to say it. I need you to hear what I'm saying. Then I got to listen. There's times I I call out and I'm just quiet. God, speak to me. When I come to service, I learned this over many years. I listen closely to who's preaching. I don't want to miss it because they're bringing something that the good shepherd has put on their heart. They're bringing me something. Something coming. I know I got to end this, so we'll, we'll do this quickly. Many years ago, there was a preacher in our church back home. And he wasn't, he wasn't my favorite. You hate to say it like that, but let's just be real. Some of you guys have had that in the past. You're like, I like when so-and-so preaches. I don't like when so and I don't say that about our body anymore. Many years ago, we had a preacher. And I did not enjoy his messages. We went back to this conference in Pennsylvania. And man, God convicted me. I, I wept for probably five or ten minutes about my heart. Nobody knew this. I didn't tell anybody this. So if you feel that way about me, don't tell anybody. <laughs> like, just figure it out with the Lord. I didn't tell anybody, but man, I knew my heart. God just convicted me so hard, and I went back to church. That, that when we got back from this conference, I went to the to, to the to the brother. I apologized with tears in my eyes. I said, "I got to tell you something. I have held something against you for no reason, other than I didn't tell him this. I just said no reason." I didn't like his delivery. When you say that out loud, how petty is that? I would have had no business ever really entering into youth ministry with a heart like that. No business ever in my home leading my daughters to know Christ with a heart like that. I am critical because I don't like someone's delivery, and they love the good shepherd with their whole heart. They're bringing something for me to eat, and I reject it because I don't like how their bleeding sounds as, as a sheep. I apologized to him, hugged him. He was so gracious, as always, loving, wrapped his arms around me and said, I have nothing but love and respect for you, and God is going to open your heart. From that day forward, every time he preached, I received something big. Literally, it wouldn't be the whole message, it would be the thought and the point. Every time he would preach, it would become alive in my heart. God moved me in a way through somebody I didn't think I could receive from, I can receive from Pastor and Pastor Rodney without thinking, and, and, some of the, and Austin and Dustin, Josh. I'm like, these are my friends, and I respect, and I love. But then you get some people preaching that you don't super know. God changed that in my heart. And every time he preached, I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. And God blew something up in my heart. If you can't hear his voice tonight, and you can't see clearly what the good shepherd has for you, you have got to get back into his pasture because he is calling you by name. He is seeking. He is calling. And you cannot miss what he has for you. Amen? Let's draw closer tonight in the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Pastor.